Welcome to Well That Was Weird, the podcast, Serial Saturday edition, where each week we discuss a different killer and give our opinions on their heinous crimes. My name is Isaiah. And I'm Chance, and uh, this week uh, we found an interesting one, um, Dennis Nilsson, also known as the Muswell Hill murderer or the kindly killer. (laughs) The kindly killer. Yeah, the kindly killer. What did Um, he look like? He was kindly. Yeah. Uh, he looks like somebody that would, uh, kill people and, um, you know, next to their dead bodies. You know who Uh, he looks like? Who? Stephen King. He does. He looks like Stephen (laughs) King. (laughs) Oh my uh, God. Yeah, he does. You heard it here. We, uh, we've definitely, we're the first ones to ever talk about this story ever. And it's not like Netflix will ever come out with a documentary within the next couple (laughs) weeks about it. So (laughs) suck on that Netflix. We got it first. (laughs) I claim full rights to it. I'm going to send them a cease and desist letter. You should. And definitely (laughs) ignore the hundreds and countless other podcasts that have probably talked about it. (laughs) It's a it's a, a, a you know pick out of the hat each week when we do these we we don't really research beforehand because it's, nah. it's for me it's fun that way like yeah. there are the other podcasts that are like we read fourteen books on this guy I'm like I don't want to ruin it for us I'm I'm experiencing this just as you are <laughs> listening yes. to it we pretty much just just kind of skim over the details like for him we saw okay necrophilia dismemberment killed sixteen people. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, that's all we know about this guy going in. Yeah, and that's that's what I like about doing this is it's a surprise to me. Yeah, yeah, so. this is all a surprise to me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about Dennis Nilsson. Um, I mean, just to kind of sum up, um, I like has been already d- established. He was a serial killer, but he's uh, from Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, he. He was uh, he was a homosexual, uh, but he wasn't he didn't like that he was attracted to men, like he it was, bothered him. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of what it says here. Um, he was never really quite comfortable with that whole idea, and in order to deal with it, he started killing some of the men that he would date and dismembering them. That's an extreme thing to do, like. I can't imagine what it's like or what's going through somebody's head when they're like, I hate the way I feel so much that I have to kill because of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I hate asparagus, but I'm not murdering chefs that make asparagus, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, apparently, uh, he, he's, his first victim was in 1978, so this is a little little earlier, but still in, I would consider, the modern era, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, he just recently died in 2018, so just three years ago or so. Yeah. Um, he, he was born in 1945 in Scotland. Um, he apparently, uh, as usual, um, his parents' marriage was not, not very good. No surprise there. Yeah, no surprise there. Um, <laughs> apparently, um, his after his parents kind of split up, uh, him and his mother and his uh, siblings lived with his maternal grandfather, who Nielsen actually really liked him. He liked his grandfather. Yeah. But um, 
his grandfather died when whenever Nielsen was just six years old, and Bummer. he he says that the unexpected death and the and viewing his grandfather's corpse at the funeral led to his later problems. Jesus. Um. I mean that does mess you up, kind of. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I can definitely say, you know, for. I mean, normally we don't get into any sort of these types of deeper subjects, but I feel like it it weighs on this particular part of this story. You know, uh, my father passed away when I was thirteen, mm-hmm. really suddenly, and. Still to this day, I hate going inside funeral homes. Yeah, because of that, and I especially hate the smell of lots of flowers altogether. Like a like a greenhouse. Kind of, yeah. Um, well, like you know, if you ever go into like the flower section of a grocery store. Yeah, it just feels. It smells very like earthy, and I can't stand that smell because. After my dad passed away, they had like one of those like viewing things before the funeral. And, yeah, you know, since since I was like family, I had to be there and in the room, you know, and like the casket was like open and he was just like laying there. It's always and... awkward just because of the silence. Like, yeah, and, that, that's... and it just it smelled like all those freaking flowers because like four hundred people bought brought flowers into that room, so that room was just cloying with the scent of flowers yeah you and you know that's a problem for a lot of people because if you read obituaries now like 99 percent of them are like in lieu of flowers do something else (laughs) like (laughs) donate or something shit well that that whole thing that whole experience uh i mean i don't want to get too far off track but that whole experience for me made me made me just say shit man when i die just fucking throw me in the dumpster man yeah that's that's kind of how I am. I'm like, just burn me up through all that shit. Burn me up and put me put me somewhere on the shelf. <laughs> like, <laughs> tuck me away. I don't care. I've, uh, I've yeah, I've never been good with that. Like, it's just it's so awkward looking at the corpse. <laughs> just yeah. I'm like, well, I don't want. I'd rather not. Like, it's, yeah. So I mean, I guess I can get it if you were six. I don't know that that dealing with an unexpected death and then, you know, everything surrounding it would necessarily lead somebody to want to sleep with corpses for like seven months. Well, that's, that's what's weird for me. And of course it's different for everybody, but yeah, uh, I don't remember a lot from when I was six. Like, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that, I mean, that was a tragedy in his life, so he would definitely remember it, but it's like, I don't know. It's just hard for me to try to be in his shoes and being like, Oh yeah, I remember that vividly. Like I don't remember shit from being a kid, you know, like certain mm-hmm. days, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we can get back to Dennis Nielsen. Um, after his grandfather's death, his mom remarried and had four more children. I don't know how many she had to begin with. Um, which kind of left him kind of on his own because she was too busy caring caring for the other four kids to worry mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. Um, and he became aware of his um homosexual attractions um as an adolescent, and 
but he claimed, you know, he claimed that he 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 never really acted on them or anything. And at 16, he actually enlisted in the army and became a cook serving as a butcher in the army oh, catering corps. Two weeks in a row we're talking about butchers, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, Wait, it says 16? He, Jesus. Yeah, 16, he enlisted in the army. Um, and that's where he learned the skills that helped him during his five-year killing spree. Well. Um, and here's an interesting thing is he left the army in 1972. He He started training to be a police officer, police training. Um. And he discovered that he had a fascination with morgue visits and autopsied bodies. That's not a red flag. <laughs> no. That's the thing when someone tells you like, oh, I'm very interested in, you know, like autopsies and morgues. It's like, okay, you'll either do that as a profession or you'll go on to murder a lot of people. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's there's two two extremes there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking myself, you know, because I've known some people that are like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to do is like embalm people. And you kind of have to pause for a minute and think, okay, is this person at some point going to murder me? Yeah. It's like, you all right, bud? Or <laughs> are you just having a day and that's the first thought that came to your mind or what's up? Um. So, but despite the, it says right here, you know, despite the obvious advantages that police work gave to, you know, seeing dead bodies and stuff like that all the time. He actually resigned and went on to become a recruitment interviewer. Huh. Um, apparently, though, his first, um, I guess, uh, incident that he was kind of, that he popped up on police radar was in 1973 um, when he had met a young man through his work named David Painter, and David claimed that Nilsson had taken pictures of him while he was asleep. Oh, shit. Okay. And apparently Painter was so shook up over, I guess, the night that he spent with Nilsson that he required hospitalization as a result of their confrontation. Well, damn. Okay. That's... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, so it... Yeah. Um, but also, it's worth mentioning... Um, Nilsson's time in the army wasn't just all, you know, all hunky dory and yeah. nice in there either. Um, I think that I think it's worth mentioning. Um, so, in 1967, while he was in the army, he was deployed to Yemen. <laughs> so okay, and assigned to the Al Mansura prison. And the violence from pro-independent groups led to the abductions or ambush murders of several of Nielsen's companions. Jesus. <laughs> In fact, he himself was nearly abducted by a local taxi driver once. The man had <laughs> knocked him unconscious and placed him in the trunk of his car. <laughs> Jesus And Nielsen regained consciousness before reaching their destination. And when the abductor opened the trunk... Nilsson knocked him to the floor with a jack handle and beat him until he was unconscious. God. And then left him locked in his own trunk. <laughs> he just beats him. He's like, the turntables, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the turntables. How the turntables. Um, 
and apparently he was uh he was he was given his own room instead of sharing a room and he began to use the freestanding mirror to simulate sex i, I like how that partner. the the story of the kidnapping just ends they're like yeah he beat him with a bar and left him in the trunk and then he went on to simulate yeah. sex in a mirror like <laughs> we don't have any more info on that but apparently a lot of his fantasies about the whole necrophilia thing came after he discovered a painting called the raft of medusa wait the what the raft the raft of medusa i'll i'll send you the there's a link to the painting i'll send it to you so you can see it and we can kind of examine the painting um so he was um he he had brief stays in britain and cyprus he was uh, assigned to germany where he hired a prostitute so that way he could actually have sex with a woman for the first time, but he found the experience, quote, overrated and depressing and concluded oh. that he was indeed a homosexual. Okay. Okay, so the raft of Medusa. Raft, um, not wrath, right? Yeah, raft. Okay. Apparently, this is where he kind of gained his, uh, I don't know, um, his obsession with necrophilia. Okay. I don't necessarily get it, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, just from looking at it, because I'm I'm looking at the painting real close up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's dead people on the raft. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm I'm confused by the amount of different clothing that's going on here. Uh, yeah, there's there's some wieners hanging out. And then mm -hmm. that dude just looks like he's bored. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, there's the guy with cloth on his feet, dong hanging out, obviously <laughs> dead. He's like, Ugh. and the guy sitting over top of him's like, hmm. like he just looks he's... bored. Everyone else is just reaching for like help. And they're like, please God. <laughs> this guy's like, well. Well, I got caught on Medusa's raft again. Okay. Can we meme this and just be like, Mondays, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> Looks like someone's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> you got the, you know, <laughs> Victorian painting of Garfield over here on this raft, raft of corpses. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um, so... Whenever he, um, that whole time, uh, yeah, he, he found this painting and that's where he kind of started to get this weird thing with necrophilia. Yeah. Um, so he retired from the army in 1972. Um, and a few months later, Nielsen and his brother attended a group watching of a documentary on male homosexuality. Oh, great. <laughs> Everyone present spoke of the subject derisively, except for Nilsson, who defended gay rights. Yeah. Um, so a fight between Nilsson and his brother happened, and well, like, basically after that, Nilsson's brother told their mo mother that Nilsson was a homosexual. Um, oh, his brother so, knew. Yeah. Um, this led to an estrangement between Nilsson and his brother. Um, so then Nilsson left to join the Metropolitan Police. Um so yeah, he he graduated from the academy and everything, uh, but he then resigned from the force after about a year of service. Um, so 
yeah, he was basically in, he became, you know, what, what we talked about the recruitment person. Yeah. Uh, and they basically considered him to be a workaholic. Um, he was just always there. Well. Um, and he had a he had a lot of brief relationships during this period, but they all ended in failure. And so he he came to believe that he was actually unfit for any long term relationships. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, his first his first murder. Um. Because he had, he had a lot. Get interesting. He had quite a few. Yeah, 1978. Well, he, had, he admitted to what, 12? Uh, it says 6, well, 12 to 15. Uh, he's known to have killed a minimum of 12 and to have attempted to kill seven others. Jeez. He initially confessed in 83 to having killed 15. Okay. So... Um, the majority of uh, Nielsen's victims were homeless or gay men. Um, others were heterosexual people that he met in bars on public transport or even outside of his own home. Um, all of his murders were committed inside the two uh, North London addresses where he resided in the years that he is known to have killed. Um, basically, he lured his victims there by offering either alcohol or shelter. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, apparently the first murder, um, his first murder was 14 year old Stephen Holmes, who he encountered a, at a pub in 1978. Um, after, uh, Stephen Holmes uh, attempted unsuccessfully to buy alcohol at the pub. Uh, Nilsson had apparently been drinking heavily and believed that Holmes was actually around 17. So he invited Holmes to his home and they drank together until they fell asleep. The next morning, Nilsson awoke and found Holmes still asleep on his bed and fearing that Holmes would leave him to spend New Year's Eve alone. Nilsson strangled him with a necktie until he, he was unconscious and then mm. drowned him in a bucket of water in the kitchen. Oh, great. He then masturbated twice <laughs> over the body and then hid it under the floorboards for eight months. Jeez. Yeah. Eight months later, he built a pyre behind his home and burned the body. Hmm. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, he... Uh, he... Oh my gosh, yeah. So here, here's another l little detail. Um, so after he drowned him, he took the corpse to his bathroom to wash it. Then he put it back in his bed. And he, because in his words, he said that he found the corpse to be beautiful. Okay. Um, he then spent the night sleeping next to the dead man before putting him in the floorboards. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, um, apparently he also had another close call with police in 1979 when a young student accused Nilsson of trying to strangle him during a bondage session. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on. What does that sound like in 1979? 
when you call 911, like, what's your emergency? And you're like, yeah, I was having a bondage play session and he tried to strangle me. <laughs> the cops are going to be like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> like, do you think they took stuff like that seriously? Or were they like, uh... I don't know. That's a good question. That's I a mean, gr- really good question. Like in 2021, an anything's possible. They'll respond in 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. But back in 1979, like I can't imagine. Well, it does say, despite the students' claims, no charges were pressed. Uh, well, there we go. Against okay. Nilsson. Um, so apparently he found his second victim in in 1979 at a pub again um uh, apparently they it was he was a canadian tourist okay and they spent the day sightseeing and drinking um which of course ended at nilson's apartment and because again nilson was afraid of being abandoned he strangled this guy kenneth uh, to death with an electrical cable. Well, of course you're going to be abandoned. He's a Canadian tourist. Like <laughs> He's going to leave. Yeah. Um, and just like he did before, um, he washed the body in the bathroom and then shared the bed with it overnight where he took photos, um, had sex with the corpse, and finally put it under the floorboards. God. And, but he would remove the corpse frequently from the floorboards uh, over the months and engage in conversation with it as if the corpse were still alive. Uh, God. Yep. This is some like psycho shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, third victim, uh, 1980, uh, was Martin Duffy. A homeless 16 year old hmm. basically he lured him back to his house strangled him then drowned him same way first one yeah cleaned the body same. masturbated over the corpse and then kept him in the bed and then kept him in a wardrobe closet for yeah i'm weeks. assuming he's running out of space under the floorboards yeah well he he put him under the floorboard after oh, keeping him okay. in the closet for two weeks. like do we have like another gacy situation where there's like 17 bodies under this man's uh yeah i think that's i think that's kind of what what happened um yeah um his next victim was a prostitute named billy sutherland uh he followed nielsen home one night he too was strangled um another victim uh malcolm barlow uh again was strangled he's just put in the floorboards um he's not the most creative killer we've talked about no uh by 1981 nilson had killed 12 men jeez in in this apartment and this was this was all taken in scotland yeah yes uh well london actually oh okay yeah he's scottish born but he was living in london um yeah uh so he's his first murder was 19 1978, and by 81, he had killed 12 men. God. So in like three years. Yeah. So he's, I mean, every couple months, he's just strangle, 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 you know? 
Yeah. Um, Knocking him out. He claims that he would go into a killing trance and on several and on seven occasions actually freed the men rather than complete the act because he was able to snap snap out of it. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about killers before that have some of them have claimed like insanity and they're like some you know, like Satan told me to do it or Yeah. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I blacked out and I woke up and there was a corpse. And most of whom, like, years later, after they're convicted, because juries are like, that was all bullshit. Like, we don't believe that. Mm -hmm. A lot of them come forward and they're like, yeah, I made all that up because I was uh, hoping that it it would help my case. But, you know, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that's hard to prove. Uh, like, whether that actually happened or if he's just like, I went into a trance and I didn't know what I was doing, you know, like. Yeah. Either way, you did it, you know. Yeah. Um. Here's where things get a little, little intense. You know, like I said, he, you know, in the span of three years, he'd killed twelve men. Yeah. Uh, of whom only four could actually be identified. There's a reason for that. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, um, I'm, I'm assuming they're just rotting, right? Like, uh, what about the smell? Uh, well, well, we'll get to that too. Okay. Um, jumping ahead. So by the time that Barlow was killed, now he was the one that we talked about, uh, that he was the last one we talked about, he mm. was forced to stuff Barlow's body under the kitchen sink because he was running out of storage space. Yep, there we go. Yeah. He had a little over a half a dozen bodies hidden around the apartment. He was forced to spray his rooms twice a day. <laughs> um, and also he had to use like insect killers twice a day to kill all the flies that were hatched from all the decomposing bodies. Um, and when neighbors uh, complained about the smell, he convinced them that they were structural problems within the building. 90% of the time it's a corpse. Like there's yep. always these serial killers that are ballsy enough to store bodies in, in apartments, which is your first yeah. issue. And they're like, what's that smell oh it's rotting like yeah because it's death like mm -hmm. it has that smell like it either it's either a plumbing problem uh or it's a body and bodies don't technically smell like dookie so it's a body and you should report it mm -hmm. um so to get rid of the corpses though after so long he would uh remove his clothing and dismember the corpses on the stone kitchen floor with a large kitchen knife. That's where those butcher skills came in, in handy. Um, sometimes also boiling the heads to remove the flesh off of the skulls. Um, before placing organs and viscera in plastic bags for disposal. Jeez. Uh, he would bury the limbs in the garden and in the shed, which a garden in the UK is just a backyard, basically. Yeah. Um, and stuffed torsos into suitcases before he would burn them in Jesus. in a bonfire in yeah. his, in his yard. Um, on occasions, he would burn fires all day without any suspicion from neighbors. Great. And once he burned them, he would generally crush the bones once the fire had taken everything out because usually there's bone fragments left. Yeah, he would crush the bones. But police still found thousands of bone fragments in the in the garden during later forensic examinations. Um, things get a little tougher for him um, because 
he wanted to, in 1982, he wanted to quit killing people. <laughs> he wanted to stifle his homicidal behavior. So he moved into a top floor apartment in North London, yeah. which of course had no yard, no garden, and no floorboards. <laughs> that was his that was his uh, solution. Wait, to... so he at this point he's disposed of the bodies that were in his old apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. then has success managed Can you to successfully people moved into that one afterwards. Oh, because you know that it's it's that smell has to linger, like no yeah. matter how much he cleaned. So he's disposed of these bodies as best he can and then moved out, right? Yeah, moved out because he figures if he doesn't have floorboards and a yard to dispose of the bodies, he'll stop killing people. So he's like, well, I want to keep doing it. So he also buried limbs in the backyard, but he didn't dig those up, right? He just left them? No. Nope, oh, left my them. God. Um, but apparently right. the, the upstairs didn't help because uh, he wasn't able to, you know, to quell his impulses. Yeah. Um, he killed three more people um, between 1982 and February of 83. Um, but they, you know, he, obviously it was more difficult to dispose of the bodies given yeah. the apartment's lack of access to outdoor space and floorboards and things like that. Right. So he um, overcame those obstacles by boiling the heads, feet, and hands, and then by dissecting the bodies into small enough pieces that they could be flushed down the toilet. Oh, great. And disposed of in plastic bags. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so there were five other tenants, apparently, at the same place where he was living. Uh, they didn't know him very well, um, but one of them in February of 83... Uh, called drain specialists to investigate a drain blockage, apparently. Um, and in the presence of the tenants, including Nilsen, the drain technician discovered rotting human remains when he descended via the outdoor manhole. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and it was decided that a full inspection could be would be conducted the next day, after which the police would be called in to investigate. Nice. So... Now, now Nilsson knew that there was a pretty good chance he was going to be caught, so he tried to cover his tracks by removing the human tissue from the drains that night, but was spotted by the downstairs tenant who became suspicious of him. Um, it was reported that um, on the morning of February 9th, 1983, he told a work colleague, if I don't come in tomorrow, I'll, e I'll either be ill, dead, or in jail. It's the same thing that happened in our story last week mm -hmm. when the guy told his workers, hey, if I don't come to work tomorrow, my wife definitely murdered me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Nilsson was met on the evening of February 9th by uh, Detective Chief Inspector who informed him that they wished to question him in relation to the, to the piles and piles of human remains that had been discovered in the drains. Um, so upon entering the apartment the detectives noticed the foul odor and asked Nilsson what it was, at which point he he calmly confessed <laughs> that what they were looking for was stored in bags around the apartment, in, which included two dismembered heads and other larger body parts. Oh. So he just like, <laughs> they show up and they're like, hey, we're just investigating a smell. He's like, yeah, I murdered 12 people. <laughs> yeah, pretty like, much. What? Okay. 
yeah, he he upon his arrest, he provided details about his killing spree and admitted to killing fifteen people. Oh, great! Um, despite being told, like, quit admitting shit, basically, unless you really. Um. So yeah, he also admitted to the attempted murder of seven others, although he could only name four of them. Oh. Uh, but it, they they do say that at no point did he show any remorse, or and he actually appeared eager to assist the police with amassing evidence against him. And he even took them to his old address to point out where things were buried in the yard. <laughs> so they just show up one day. The the new tenants are there. And they're like, uh, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, uh, police investigation to stay inside. And they're like, well, I'd like to know. And they're like, well, there's corpses in your backyard, by the way. So <laughs> let's just go ahead and get that out. You know. Um. So yeah, he had he had the trial. I mean, it was there's really nothing to say about the. Uh, Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um. He was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder. He actually pleaded, although interestingly, he pleaded not guilty to all the charges. Why? Basically saying that he wasn't mentally, Hmm. you know, capable to stand trial. Cop out. Yeah. Um, The prosecution mainly relied on the extensive interview notes that resulted from his arrest, which took over four hours to read to the jury because there were so many of them. God as well as the testimony of three of the victims who actually managed to escape. Oh, but they, did, they, they didn't report him? No. That's strange. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's not strange because, it's again, it's one of those things where, like, at the time, would it, would they have wanted their name to be out there if they were like, oh yeah, I was having like weird sex relations with this dude and then he tried to kill me? Yeah, I think that's part of why they weren't, um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, A lot of the physical evidence in the trial was, of course, lots of photographs of the murder scenes as well as the chopping board used to dissect the victims and the cooking pot used to boil the skulls, feet, and hands which apparently is now on display at the Black Museum at Scotland Yard. Oh, lovely. Um, I'm going to put that on my list of places to visit at some point. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. Um, So, yeah, they basically tried to argue that he wasn't, you know. That's a cop-out, yeah. Yeah, um, but really, uh, you know, he, he was sentenced to life in prison without the eligibility for parole for at least 25 years um in 1983 and then he uh died in prison right yeah he died in prison uh 2018 actually was it um, say what he died of or uh, apparently causes, I, I i think it was something kind of bad um an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Oof. Um, basically, they say it's a very, very painful way to die. <laughs> so he, like, I'm assuming he knew it was happening. Yeah. But he probably um, just didn't do anything for it. He rejected treatment. Oh. Gotcha. Um, 
Yeah, so that's pretty much. Well, uh, he was cremated, and then when his service was held, there were only five mourners present, including three prison officers and an individual with whom Nielsen corresponded with while in prison. No family members were present. Yep. That's wow. it. Yeah. Um, well, they were, no. His ashes were given to his family, though. I mean, would you want to keep those? They probably tossed them. I'm just saying. I <laughs> took them out and buried them somewhere unmarked. I'm just saying. Can you imagine digging someday and then finding in, like somebody's urn? Like if they just yeah, buried exactly. the urn? Like how awkward that would be? Like, oh, like you're metal detecting or something. Yeah. Just come across an urn full of ashes like, holy shit. Because they don't, they don't mark them most of the time. Yeah, no, no, they don't. So, yeah, um, that that about wraps up the story of David Nilsson. Well, I mean, he's uh, I don't know if I've if I've found anything quite as horrifying as Catherine Knight. <laughs> yeah, that one was definitely hard to. That one was she wild. Was just a psycho from she beginning was. to end. Just and like the obvious red flags, like when at her wedding, when the when her, even her mother was telling her husband, like, get yeah. out, she's going to murder you. He's like, <laughs> you're funny. Yeah, exactly. And that, I don't even think that was the husband that she murdered, right? No, that was just the guy that she stabbed him like twice and then threatened to like <laughs> burn his house down or she set his clothes on fire she one time. She killed his dog, I think. Yeah. And then they got back together multiple times. Yeah, that's. No, she's the uh, f- uh, like Australian equivalent of Florida man. Yeah, just wrapped up into one person. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so uh, so there's there's Dennis Nilsson for you. Yeah. Um, I know we joked about it in the beginning, but apparently Netflix is dropping a documentary on Dennis Nilsson uh, soon. So yeah. watch out for that. I guess yeah, you're welcome for the plug, Netflix. Yeah. Give us some money, fools. You pay guys got me. all the money. <laughs> hey, uh, pay us and we'll do a Netflix podcast show. The first of its kind. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, I'm going to get out of here. I'll see you guys later on in the week for another regular episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.